You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And um, somebody just texted through to say they missed the actual sexual issue of the Wesleyan Church, and that is the issue that they are splitting over in the United States, um, or the the Global Methodist Church, uh, is ordaining LGBT pastors and performing LGBT marriages. So they're going to have two churches, one that does ordain and one that does not ordain um, LGBT pastors and um, perform weddings. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? It is. It is. We've Big seen time. that. We've seen that uh, over and over and over again. And uh, of course, you can catch up on the podcast if uh, if you missed out on that. But uh, the person wanted to just comment that you know, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. When you know, you look at the story of Lot, and two strangers turn up, and uh, you know, a couple of guys turn up that, and the whole town's like, yeah, we want to. Have sex with these guys. So it, yeah, it's a bit of a... Um, it's good to think, though, that we've still got lots out there who will identify positive people straight away, like he knew they were, there was something righteous special men. about them. Righteous, yeah. The Bible describes Lot as being a righteous man whose we, conscience was vexed. <laughs> I love that word. It's the best word ever. <laughs> it's King James right there. His conscience was vexed. You know, you're not going to get a word like that. See, this is why the KJV is the best translation out there. Amen. His conscience was vexed by the evilness of Sodom. He shouldn't have been living there, but it was still vexed. That's right. He got out. It was a vexatious issue. Anyway, so we should head to our Bible study. And let's see what we can uh, let's see what we can come up with with our Bible study. We need to move on with uh, the whole Isaiah thing. We've spent a lot of time talking about uh, Osiris. It's and pivotal, though. It is. It is. There are a lot of people who look at the Book of Isaiah and say, "Ah, oh, you know, there was actually two writers to Isaiah. Well, there was two Isaiahs. You know, one who wrote the first half, one who wrote the second half. The first half is focused on Assyria. The second half is focused on Babylon. So, therefore, you've got two different themes in the Book of Isaiah, and so you've got two different authors for the Book of Isaiah. Well, you know what happens in the middle of Isaiah? Well, Assyria is defeated, isn't it? They cease to become a threat. The Babylonians come and visit, and so that's a very good reason why the focus is going to change to Babylon. And also we have to remember that um, the that that God knows that Babylon is going to be the next superpower. Mm. The two Isaiah theory is probably one of the silly ones that I've heard in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and some of them say that, oh, the second Isaiah lived during the reign of Cyrus because how else could he have known all of these details? Well, there's this small thing called prophecy. Mm. What's also interesting is when you look at the uh, Dead Sea Scroll copy of the book of Isaiah, which is from like 120 BC, you know, you don't have a break in the middle. Yeah. You don't have this spot in the middle where it's like, now we're going to go to the other Isaiah. The handwriting this is not Isaiah anything. 1 and Isaiah 2 <laughs> or Isaiah A and B. Isaiah Jr. Yes. You just simply don't have those kind of things. And so um, none of that, there is zero evidence other than the fact that people kind of want it to be so, Yeah, that there were two Isaiahs. People don't. People who don't want to believe in inspiration. And it doesn't even make sense to sit there, like if you've got no physical evidence to back it up and say, well, this is the reason why I believe this. They literally just go, oh, I think this, so I'm going to run with it. With nothing to back it up, you take that to court and they'll laugh you out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, Makes no sense. No question. So, uh, yeah, some people have noted that, you know, the book of Isaiah is by some sawn in two. Well, <laughs> traditionally, 
the body of Isaiah was sawn in two, and that how it was how he was executed by King Manasseh. What a way to go. Yeah, pretty horrific. It goes back to what we were talking about through the week, the brutality of those times. Back then it was, oh, you know, even even as time went through, you're looking at 17th, 18th, 19th century, early 19th century and so forth, where people were hanged in the town square and it became a spectacle. Yes. People would come out, the families would bring their children. It would be an entire event like going to the theatre to a degree to watch an execution of somebody. You can still see that in parts of the world today, but in well, in Western society, places like Australia and America, you could not fathom something like that happening in a town square in a public place for all to see because the levels of barbarity there are just not congruent with how the society is. The, the aspect of human nature that loves painfotainment has not changed. Did you coin that or was that an actual term? Uh, I didn't coin it, but I don't know whether it's an actual term or not. I like it. Um, I heard it from somebody else. I'm like, yeah, I'll use that. That's, that's <laughs> Thank very, you very, very much. applicable I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, um, to what we have. We have just replaced the arena and the gladiators in the arena with Hollywood. Yep. Our interest in painfotainment has not changed. Human nature has not changed. And giving, given a change of circumstances and a change of culture, we would be back there watching painfotainment in the market square again. That's the sad reality no of doubt about it. Uh, where we are, you know, as far as human beings. This morning we're actually going to look at a passage from the book of Leviticus. And so this is Leviticus chapter 26. And you might be wondering, why are we turning to Leviticus uh, when we're studying the book of Isaiah. And the reason is that Isaiah does focus on a lot of pain that is coming on the nation of Israel. And it does focus on the judgments of God uh, for, you know, turning away from God. And there, you know, you've, you've kind of got two aspects to it. You've got a lot of prophecies of comfort along with a whole bunch of prophecies dealing with judgment. And so God is saying, look, there's going to be judgment coming your way, there's going to be some bad things coming your way, but there's going to be a remnant that are going to survive. So you have this whole remnant motif that, that works its way through these books, that there are going to be people who are going to come back of that, out, of that, out of captivity. And, uh, um, and so there's a passage here in Leviticus chapter 26 that is re- very relevant to a people who are facing judgments that are coming from God. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Leviticus 26, verse 40 and 45. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Another clue. Okay, so we're going to read from uh, Leviticus 26, verse 40 to 45. We've got a few clues to get through this morning, and so we thought we might do an extra. Have you got another one there yet uh, on your screen? Not yet. Not yet? Okay, it will come through in just a moment. Let's get started on our passage, Leviticus 26, verse 40 to 45. Okay, the Bible says, If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, with their trespass, which they trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have worked contrary unto them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled... And they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and also my covenant with Isaac, and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember, and I will remember the land. 
the land also shall be left of them, and shall enjoy her Sabbaths, while she lieth desolate without them. And they shall accept of the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despise my judgments, and because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, or destroy to destroy them utterly, and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt, in the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. Okay, so we've got a, a great promise here. We're going to spend a little bit of time going through this. Uh, before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. We do. We've got four. Should I go for four or two? Ooh, what have we got time for? Let's see. Let's, let's just, do, just do another two. Let's do another two clues. Okay. Next one is, has the world's largest monolithic obelisks? Okay, stop there for a moment. All right. You think about this. This empire has the world's largest monolithic. So monolithic means a single piece of stone obelisks. So it's not the United States. They have <laughs> the world's largest obelisk, but is made out of many pieces of stone. There you go. Okay, and the only place named currently on Earth that was mentioned before sin. Come on, guys, you got to be able to get it from this one. Got to be able to get it from this one. What are you? What are your guesses? What are your guesses? Send them through. We want to hear from you. Numbers to call are one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text through and call on the mobile zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. All right, run through them from the top real quick, and then we'll get back to our Bible study. Okay, it's a place. First one is an empire that in the third century rivaled the Roman Empire. Second the one size, is it, yeah, yes, size wise. Second one is it forms the oldest continuous Christian nation in the world. Third one is it's mentioned in the Bible almost as many times by name as Persia, Greece, and Rome combined. It has an unchanged language still in use that is older than Latin. It has the world's largest monolithic obelisks. And it's the only place named currently on earth that was mentioned before sin. All right. If you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text on 0491-064-669. Let's go back to our passage in Leviticus chapter 26. And we will look what's happening in verse 40. The Bible talks about... What happens to the Israelites? And this is interesting, you know, because this is, you know, this is the first books of the Bible that were ever written. These were written by Moses centuries mm. before the Jews go into Jewish captivity. Being the books of Moses, they're going to be very, very well known. Ooh, somebody else just texted through with an answer. And it's correct. But oh, for yeah. bragging rights. Oh, bragging rights. So the not a pri- prize is still available. <laughs> this one is correct. Well done. Well done. So we have two now who have correct answers. All right. So. Sorry, we um, also had another one come through. Oh, we do? Guess for Macedonia. Okay. Macedonia is incorrect. All right. So I'll add that to my list of uh, incorrect ones. Macedonia, it is not uh, the Gallic Empire, the Palmyrian Empire, the Sasanian Empire, Parthian, uh, Catharian, Chinese, Israelite, Byzantine, or Macedonian. And Those another, are, one for, another one come through for Kush. Okay, 
Um, okay, so going on, the last clue that I gave, you can't go with Kush. <laughs> you well, can't go with with, Kush. Got to match up with the other five beforehand too. You can't go with Kush. <laughs> um, I know where this person is coming from and they just need to focus on the last clue that I gave to get the correct word. Mm. We're looking for the correct word. So the last clue has narrowed this down to a particular word because it's mentioned before sin. Yep. Kush is not mentioned before sin. Okay, because Kush lived after sin. Kush lived after the flood. Come on, people. At least somebody's, give, somebody, somebody, like. somebody's actually... Um, <laughs> Somebody's really on the money right here. So they are close as they are about like a hair's breadth from getting the correct answer. We'll have a winner soon. We will. Uh, okay, where are we up to? Verse 40. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their trespasses which they trespass against me, that they also have walked, that they also have worked, walked contrary unto me. Now, let's think about this. This is Moses writing centuries before these events happen. And he's saying, look, if this ever happens and you get taken captive into a foreign land, this, excuse me, this is what God is prepared to do for you. How do you think the Israelites felt? Sorry, the Jews felt. Well, that's an indirect thought, actually. What about the Israelites? Because they were taken into a Syrian captivity. They would have had access to this same information and the same material. Probably similar to how a lot of people feel today. Like we've been provided with so many, so much information and so many promises from God. We know he'll fulfill them because we've seen them fulfilled in history. But they, they have less to go on all the way back here, don't they? Like we've had thousands of years of history. We've had Christ come along. We've had promises fulfilled. We've had prophecy fulfilled. We know that God has this wonderful standing where we can trust in him and we can submit to him. And so we've got 6,000 years of track record to look at. We do. And they had less. Yes. And not saying that that's, that means that any reason why they would have less understanding to believe in God, but they've also got, also got to think of a different time when there were so many more pagan deities and things that were more visual to them that they could be so easily susceptible to worshipping. And it's an amazing promise, though, that he still says that <clears throat> we have this constant theme throughout the Bible, repent, turn from your ways. And he talks about this here, saying if you will turn back from your iniquities, you will turn back from being against me. You know, We can see in the chapters following there's some positivity. Yes, absolutely. I, I kind of look at it as well, and I kind of think, you know, if I was an Israelite or if I was a Jew in exile, in enforced exile, and I read a passage like this, it'd be like, you know what, God saw this, and he gave us a promise. And so if we actually follow this promise, there's going to be redemption. And you see somebody like Daniel, for instance, who prays three times a day with his window open towards Jerusalem. Why does he do that? He does that because he knows these promises. He's read them in Scripture and he's like, we serve a faithful God. We have a God who's going to bring us back out of the captivity. And if we serve a God who was, you know, 150 years ago able to prophesy that the Persians would one day rule the world. And all, and all those points of Cyrus, the shepherd-born boy that would become prince, all came true. Now, imagine if you're Daniel, right? So you know these prophecies. We I know am, that he... I am know, Daniel. Okay. Imagine if you are. Imagine <laughs> if you are Daniel. Imagine if you are Belteshazzar. Yeah, I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so imagine if you are Belteshazzar. That was uh, the prophet Daniel's other name. 
and you know all of this material here and you've been praying about it and you've been given visions. So you've had the vision of Daniel 7. You've had the vision of uh, Daniel 8. You're living in the Babylonian Empire, which is ruling the world, that is also locked in a cold war with the Median Empire. And you have this small province of the Median Empire. It's a little bit like, say, you know, Texas within the United States. So the United States is the big empire, but you've got Texas there. And somebody comes along and says, well, you know, God comes along and says, you know, Texas is going to rule the world one day. And it's like, whoa, that, that would, that would really, you know, that would really take you and I back right now. But then you see Texas growing to power and you see Texas taking over the United States and then you see Texas taking over China and then you see, you see all of these different things starting to happen. It would be very, very confirming experience to you. And when, you know, somebody who is, is born, it's like, okay, Texas is one, gonna, one day going to rule the world. We've got that prophecy. But there's also a prophecy about the king of Texas. You make yourself and think. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so we are back to our Bible study. We're looking at these passages here. Now, off air, you mentioned something about people who were reading this passage and similar passages in the Bible and how that would place them under a level of pressure when they were in captivity. Yep. Why would that be? Why, if you were in, say, Babylonian captivity, why would you be feeling under pressure when you read these promises of God that say, okay, if you uh, rebel and if you become apostate, then you'll be sent as captive into foreign lands, and if you then repent in that foreign land, I will bring you back. Why would you be feeling under pressure? If you're living in a different society, a different culture that you're not used to, and you're basically forced into cultural norms or you're forced in a particular way, it would be quite disheartening to then try and keep the faith that God has provided, try and keep the culture that God has provided. Very. Because you're, it's overbearing for you to be in someone else's country, in someone else's culture, in someone else's land, and do your own thing. Stick to your culture, stick to your land. It's obviously positive in the Bible because we're sticking to God's word and God's word's infallible and he has the right idea and the right plan. Particularly if I can just interject, if the local population comes to you and says, your God doesn't live here. Your God lives in Palestine. He can't help you here. Yeah, with that limited thinking, isn't it? Yeah, what, why wouldn't you worship the God who lives here? Marduk is the God who lives here. Worship this God. Yeah. Uh, he's too far away. Don't worship him. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be a very logical approach for them to take. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, they would say, and our God is obviously more powerful than yours, so why don't you go with a more powerful God because our God has conquered your God because you are the ones who are in captivity. This is obvious. Why don't why, why can't you see this? Yeah, and from a, a logical evidence standpoint, you can definitely see why that is, but they're also looking at it from a very narrowed human perspective that the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, is in one, one place instead of being in all places. And so I think it really shows the capacity humans have. And I think there's also a circumstance of you're in captivity, you don't know for how long. You know, you sit there and go, "Am I? will I be dead by the time these promises come to a point? Can you look in the book of Judges, for example? Lots of times it'll say the Israelites were given over to the Philistines for 40 years, 30 years, whatever it is. People can die within that time frame in captivity. And the positivity they have is to hold on to the promises of God with all that overbearing different nation coming down on them, 
trying to force them to change their beliefs, it'd be really disheartening to sit there and think, will I get out of captivity or am I going to die here? Will I get a chance to see my family get out of captivity and live a prosperous life? And I think that kind of thought is also parallel today because we don't know when Christ is going to return. We have a lot of people who sort of go, oh, look, you know, I'm interested in Jesus and the Bible and all that stuff, but there are some things I want to do first. When, Ouch. It, well, yeah. I, he could, Christ could literally be back in 30 seconds. We don't know. And so they've got the same kind of parallel back then. We don't know when we're out of captivity. We don't know when these promises will be fulfilled. But we just need to maintain our faith in God that he will come through on his time, not our time. So, yeah, I'd be, it'd be a struggle. We have struggles today, and I think they're going to increase. I think we're going to get to a point much like the Israelites did at different, different times through history, but we're not there yet, thankfully. Indeed, indeed. When I, there's a couple of things that I look at here um, as far as, you know, the pressure that you would feel under. And, of course, there'd be a lot of pressure here to... From the perspective of, do I really trust God? Mm. And so if you're going to stand up in Babylon and start preaching, as Ezekiel did, that the captivity is going to come to an end and you're going to be sent back to Jerusalem and you're going to rebuild the temple and you're going to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and you're going to rebuild the city walls and Jerusalem will become a great nation and the Messiah will come through Jerusalem. If you're going to do it in Ezekiel, And if you're going to do that, Ezekiel, based on the prophecies of Isaiah. Now, Ezekiel did it based on the prophecies of Isaiah and of Jeremiah and of the prophecies that he received himself, and that would have given him a tremendous amount of confidence. But it was a message that anybody could bear at that particular time, and I believe that there were many who did. Because that's why you have a significant number of people, I mean a tiny remnant for sure, but a significant number of people who actually go back to the promised land from from Babylon. Mm. And they are people who believe this. They believe that the time would come when they would be released and sent back. It is challenging to preach about a future event based on Bible prophecy that has not yet been fulfilled. It is very, very easy. I preach a lot about Bible prophecy myself. It's one of my favorite themes. Um, I talk about this kind of stuff all the time. It's very easy to stand up and talk about prophecy that has been fulfilled. Mm. And so I live in the easiest period in history, because 99% of it has been yeah, fulfilled. Most, most of it's like, already done. One or two big events left to go. And I point out, okay, this is going to happen, and this, and this, and this, and this, and these are the future events that we need to be aware of. And uh, it puts a lot of pressure on you if you are saying, this is what's going to happen. And particularly like Daniel, if you say, this is going to happen on such and such a date, because he's like calculated when it's going to come to an end, and then, of course, nothing is happening. And, uh, you know, you can only imagine the pressure is coming up to that date, what's going to happen, and then, bang, Cyrus releases God's people, and they go back to the promised land right on time, just as God predicted. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, guys. It is uh, we're about to have question of the day. Uh, yeah, we are going to have question of the day because the quiz has been answered. We're not going to have another one. As congratulations, Chris. Yes. Question of the day. 
This is quite an interesting one, and one that's probably asked a lot, or the the concept is asked a lot, and the question is, does the Bible teach once saved, always saved? No. All right, that's the question of the day. Thank you very much. Yep, and the next song we're going to have is uh, Sarah Groves. (laughs) That is the next song we're going to have. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Let's talk about what the Bible does teach. And pretty much in the Bible, we're going to find that with every consideration of salvation, the Bible uses the word if. And the moment you have the word if... The word if is a stated condition. Variables. Yes. There are always conditions. Yep. And uh, you can't use the word if unless there are conditions as such. So let me just look, use a couple of examples here from the Bible. Uh, the Bible says, A sower went out to sow his seed. He sowed some, fell by the way, and it was trodden down on the path. And the birds ate it. Some fell on rocks, and as soon as it had sprung up, it withered because it had no moisture. Some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And the other fell on good ground and sprang up and bore fruit a hundred times over. And when he said these things, he said, He that has ears, let him ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him, What is this parable about? And he said unto them, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those on the path are those that hear. Then comes the devil and takes the way, takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, it's important to understand the context of this parable and the type of belief that is being spoken about. This is belief to salvation. The Bible says, unless they believe and are saved. And so uh, we know that this is belief that brings salvation. The Bible says the devils believe and they tremble, so not all belief is going to bring salvation. So this is belief under salvation. It continues on from there, and it says in verse 13, Those on the rock are those which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe. What kind of belief are we talking about? Temporary. Yes, temporary belief, but belief to salvation. So for a while they believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. And those which fell among thorns are those living in Australia. Which when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and the pleasures and the riches of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Uh, the Australia bit, I added in that right there. Uh, I think you all know that. But <laughs> I want you to notice here that you have two groups. Those that fall on the stony ground or the rocky ground and those that fall among weeds, both of them have an experience with God. Mm. Both of them believe in God and both of them receive salvation One of them withers and the other is choked. And uh, those that fall on good ground are those which are honest and a good heart, having heard the word of God, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And so patience indicates that they continue on. And so, no, the Bible does not teach once saved, always saved. The Bible teaches that salvation is a daily thing. We daily surrender our life to Jesus Christ. We begin every day by giving our life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Our salvation is... Sorry, our assurance should never be found in some random, not some random, but some specific act that we performed sometime in our past history where we surrendered our life to Christ. Our salvation is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Our assurance is in Jesus. Blessed is assurance, Jesus is mine. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. We can live with the assurance of salvation every day because Jesus is ours every day. 
But if we turn away from Jesus, if we cut ourselves off from Jesus, then, of course, we've cut ourselves off from salvation at the same time. Another good parable, of course, is the parable of the ten virgins. And you'll notice in the parable of the ten virgins, only half of them are saved. But all of them are virgins, and all of them have lamps, the word of God, and all of them are filled with oil. All of those lamps are filled with oil, the Holy Spirit. But some of the virgins have an extra container of oil that they've brought with them. Only half of them are saved. So you can have the word of God be filled with the Holy Spirit and still run out and be lost before Jesus comes back. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.